You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 242 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast coming to you on December 8th. How you doing this week, Raj? You almost made me read Ringside, didn't you? Almost. It that was a mistake. I corrected the mistake. <laughs> I saw that. Well, there was no mistake. I wasn't going to read it. <laughs> I saw that and went, nope. <laughs> I actually haven't read it myself yet. <laughs> I was wondering if you'd noticed that. Oh, I did. <laughs> and I laughed. <laughs> no, we're just taking a look at a couple of new comics that have come out, non from the mainstream Marvel DC stuff. Or honestly, even the mainstream image stuff. I mean, we do have an image comic in here, but it's one I haven't heard a lot of people talking about. And that is Monstrous, written by Marjorie Liu, art by Sana Takeda. First of all, this was a gigantic comic for the cover price, only a dollar above average. And it was freaking gorgeous, too. We had talked about this before, just based on the cover. And mm-hmm. saying like this, the the art style is astounding. And I was, I was hoping I wouldn't be disappointed in that they'd just gotten somebody different for the cover, or a lot more attention was put on the cover than the rest of the issue. And then I read it, and it was like this is the most beautiful thing I've seen in a long, long time. The art is amazing throughout the entire thing. I mean, I would even put it ahead of Autumn Lands and. God, that series is fantastic as well. I put this not to put Autumn Lands down, but no, no. <laughs> but to say just how good this is, I put this well and above average, above Autumn Lands, like by a lot. <laughs> like I, I honestly cannot think of the last comic that I've read that was this spectacularly beautiful throughout. And like all of the panels. They have something when you're looking even at the the architecture, which is so majestic, and you have the golds and sepitones throughout, and let alone the 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 it almost I keep wanting to say concept art because it's so beautiful of the people, but like look at the 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 clothes throughout that they're wearing, even like these women with these unbelievable dresses and and filigrees throughout and everything like it's. Holy crap, is this ever beautiful? Mm-hmm. And even down to a lot of the character designs, yeah, the vast majority of the characters in the comic are human or at least human looking. But then you have all the little fantasy creatures like Little Fox is my the favorite cutest. character in any comic I've read this year. <laughs> oh, my God. Hanging on to her little tail all the time. And it's like, I just want to adopt you. <laughs> when when she got handed the gun and she like freaked out and all of the hair stood up on end. Yes. It, Ah, character design's fantastic. Artwork is almost indescribably beautiful. This is a gorgeous, gorgeous comic, and I was really into the story as well. I loved it. I it has loved it. This fantasy world where I, not in any sort of actual parallel, it reminded me a lot of the Spire and the fact that they throw a lot of stuff at us with little to no explanation. And there's just a lot of words, you know, made up stuff that they're just throwing in there. But by the end of the first issue, 
a lot of it clicks and you know enough about the world to be able to pick up on the story, but there's still enough questions out there to definitely make you want to keep reading afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. It is very well written because like you say, there's a lot that's going on in here and a history that she's established already. And so as you're reading it, the story has to be engaging enough that you care about the characters, which right off the bat, you care about the lead character. And not just that, but because of all that established backstory, which is slowly trickling through, I mean, that's, again, a lot of balls in the air at the same time. And she juggles them no problem. It's just is, there was no point where I was reading and, Again, I tend to get lost in stories, certainly if I'm really, if I'm into them, but I still do get critical of different writing elements. If I think if it's, it's a cheat or a cliche or whatever kind of thing, there was no moment through the, through the entirety of this where I stopped and went, ah, eh, that was cheaper. Oh, that was poorly written or any of those such things. I loved it beginning to end. Mm-hmm. In this world, we have the humans and what's referred to as the Arcanics, basically mystical creatures. It's never really explained, but you, you can just get from, again, the character designs. A lot of them are based on you know legendary mythological creatures or have some sort of magical ability. So yeah, some sort of mystical race, if you will. Had a war. Of course, the humans won, and they keep coming back to this one big climactic moment, this battle where this giant explosion was set off. I think they said 146,000 of the Arcanics were wiped out. And that's really the focal point of the main character's journey here, Micah Halfwolf, who uh, at the beginning of the story is being sold into slavery. And before she can be sold off, she's brought up by this order uh, known as the Kumea, who are referred to as witches. And we come to find out pretty good, pretty good word for them. (laughs) Um, there, these human researchers. Again, a lot of this is not exactly fully explained, but that's what we love. There's enough that we get into it, but not so much that it's okay. Everything's already in there. So yeah, there are these researchers that have been dissecting the Arcanics, trying to get the, his their powers. There's a lot of really weird, really creepy stuff going on in this comic, but. I loved it, man. <laughs> like, I equated they made it. these people out to be just these villainous, distasteful. Like when Micah goes on a rampage and starts lopping off heads and lighting people on fire. Okay, I'm down with this. Damn right. <laughs> what I equated it to was a stylized version of the old witch thing wherein they're they're making their their potions or whatever and it's eye of newt and this of that or whatever and they're (laughs) accumulating all of those pieces that's pretty clever actually yeah because when you see them in one of the the rooms when they are actually lopping apart pieces of the one small creature that they took in earlier spoiler warning but you saw that coming trust me um you see the walls are lined with jars, specimens, and different things like that. So that's how I saw it, that they're just accumulating parts for not just research, but also spells and whatnot. Yeah, I didn't catch on to that because obviously some of it's also being used for consumption, yeah. which, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, uh, that I hope I hope you're onto something there. That's actually pretty clever. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was again, it was a piece that made sense and that was presented in a stylish way that we're not accustomed to seeing it. And I really mm-hmm. kind of and in an almost clinical way at points, too, when you're seeing how they're dissecting and everything is. Oh, precise. absolutely. There, there were students there you know, taking notes. Yeah. So it was very I like that to go back just very, very briefly to what you were saying earlier, too. How again, you're you don't get a ton of the backstory, but you're you're going forward with it. The way that I looked at this as well, and we've talked about this a lot when there are new series and be it a brand new IP franchise or be it a reboot, which we are getting every other Tuesday nowadays. (laughs) And often we'll say you get that first and sometimes even first and second issue and it's all it is is explaining to you this world, what's going on right now, what's going to be happening in future stories. And case in point with the the X-Men, the extraordinary X-Men, you were saying like there was just too much going on. You've seen this too often and you kind of had it with that. Whereas with this, it didn't do that. What you're getting in this first issue is a story. The backstory is being peppered in here and there as needed Without breaking the flow of the story, but at no point are you reading this and thinking, oh, God, it's all this is a setup for, you know, future issues. Mm-hmm. No, it's very smooth in the manner it's in which it's written so that it just comes through as flashbacks. But again, not in a way that disrupts the story at all, but in fact enhances it because those flashbacks directly refer to what is going on in the present tense of the story. So again, she did a beautiful job with the pacing of the story to give us just enough of what we need when we need it versus boring us with tons of backstory before we can finally get to the the actual story. Mm -hmm. And those flashbacks were paced perfectly. It was just a couple pages right where it needed to be inserted into the main story to tell us more about Micah, the information that we needed to know for that next scene. And it made sense in terms of the the character's progression because, again, you see a character that's suddenly lopping off heads later on. There has to be some explanation, justifiable explanation, so that it makes sense for the character. Not everybody's a Punisher character that just goes on a killing spree kind of thing. And as you're getting those flashbacks and you're seeing – and there's that mystery of the relationship that's referred to later on in the book. And mm-hmm. you're kind of going, yeah, I believe it. I, I really wholeheartedly believe that this, this would happen and that this, cause she's still young. This child would be that hard, that brutal. Yeah. There's a lot of revelations that come up at the end of this issue that I don't think I want to talk about. <laughs> They're great. Like it's really driving the story forward, but this is definitely one of those times where I'm going to say, read it. Read it yourself. Damn right. Oh, I can't <laughs> recommend this enough. I, I honestly cannot recommend this series enough. Yeah, the, I, I've been sitting on this comic for weeks knowing that it was too much for what we're reading but not having enough other stuff to stick around it so that we could talk about it. <laughs> and I love the letter at the end that Marjorie Lou wrote as well. Oh, my goodness. With kind of an explanation of where this is coming from to a certain degree. And I, it, it was really quite cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. Check it out. Yes. 
Next up was just a fun, weird comic that I was like, eh, we'll talk about it. It's Jacked from the DC imprint Vertigo, written by Eric Kripke, art by John Higgins. This is the one that you had put in the new release list. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like Limitless. I'm like, okay. Well, no, it's pretty much exactly like <laughs> Limitless, but I this was just a lot of fun. Like, we have this guy, Josh, who is just, you know, life has gone off the rails, lost his job, you know, he's basically no longer needed in society. He's just going through the motions. It's honestly a story a lot of people can relate to. Now, the taking the brain-altering drugs, not so much, but I don't know, I just, I just found this pretty fun. I hated it. <laughs> okay. Really? Seriously? Hated it. I, I'm not. I'm not saying it was good. I'm not saying it was. It, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, not me. I really didn't like it. And again, I like this guy. This is a guy who works on, on Supernatural. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're in their eleventh season right now, and wife and I still watch it every week and love it. And it's still a damn good show, fun and silly, and you know, but still a good show. And so I was excited for this and thinking, oh, this will be great. A, uh, the pacing, you can tell that this isn't a comic book writer. The yes. pacing does not flow the same as a good comic book writer. Just go back to that Marjorie Lou comic and there's a perfect example of a brilliant comic book writer. And then swap to this and it's like, wow, yeah, you need some help with your pacing and how to write a comic book because this ain't this ain't working, in my opinion. And then... This trying to shock an audience with here's this human being that is just a waste of flesh and we're going to present it in such a way that you can all relate to him because secretly we think you're all the same. And the different things throughout too that were thrown in just as a uh, – just a shock it's it's that shock jock mentality mm-hmm. of just say something to shock your audience, but it doesn't really like it, who the hell cares how long he lasts in the sack really. And 17 seconds, go see someone. Okay. You have a serious <laughs> problem there. <laughs> There's medication that should probably be able to help you with that. Cause wow. But yeah, there was so many things that it was like, no, nah, this is, I, I, I hate the main character intensely the story premise is was not done nearly as well as limitless and i'm not saying that i'm a huge limitless fan uh, we watch it and it's like eh, karen likes it a lot more than i do but it's like eh, whatever it's it's a weak premise but it's not that bad but this is not even remotely close i mean it's <laughs> come on it's the the brother who's a dentist who's getting this illegal drugs that he's well i think they're illegal i don't know it's like you're damn it you're a doctor like still your dentist doctor but you're still a doctor give me a break and then the conversations that they're having to you like i don't have a brother i have two sisters so we don't have the same conversations but i'm going like really they'd be sharing this i find that hard to believe so there was a bunch of stuff that was just Lame, and then when it gets to the big heroics kind of thing, you're like, "Oh, come on, give me a break." So I, it's not just that I was ambivalent about it. I point blank really didn't like this at all. Yeah, the the overall lack of creativity in 
not just the premise, but the way a lot of the story tropes played out. I, I'm not terribly interested in coming back for a second issue. Like I, said, I, I didn't. I wasn't completely against it. I, I found it humorous at points, but that was about it. Let's compare it to something that took a that same kind of trope but did it in a much better way, and that would be Cape. Okay. So, again, somebody who is down and out, not doing well, an embarrassment to himself, and letting people down left, right, and center. So the same kind of stupid crap there. But took the idea of how he got the powers and what he did with them and things like that. And then it was far more engaging. And then the backstory of how he got the cape and all kinds of other things like that came about organically throughout the story versus this kind of pacing. Mm -hmm. So I, for some reason, my mind went there as I was reading it as a cape, really, really well done story. This spectacularly bad. I think that's a fair comparison too. Yeah. All right. And the last one I wanted to round up is clause number one from boom studios written by Grant Morrison art by Dan Mora, another fantastically beautiful comic who decided that Santa Claus has to be this freaking hunk of a man. I don't hey, listen. <laughs> if you're going to do a comic book about Santa Claus, you turn Santa Claus into a freaking comic book character <laughs> like, for what they were trying to accomplish with this comic. I think they were very successful. <laughs> I'm reading this and I'm going, Santa's freaking hot. Look at this guy. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> there is somebody's. <laughs> Who was cheering just, reading I, this saying, my fan fiction has finally been redeemed. At this point, I'm just imagining what Mrs. Claus is going to look like. Yeah, no in this kidding. Comic. There's a negligee issue there. <laughs> but yeah, it's this incredibly over-the-top retelling, air quotes, of the Santa Claus origin story with him as this, like, woodsman, hunter, trapper who comes into this city. Who apparently does not suffer from frostbite either. No. Sleeves? Who needs sleeves? He's a comic book character, Roger. (laughs) Wolverine doesn't need sleeves. He certainly doesn't. Wolverine has a healing factor. Frostbite (laughs) just heals over. This dude has no excuse. Because there's no saying that he's actually got Santa powers at this point. He only kind of discovers certain things towards the end. I'm not saying any of this makes sense. I'm saying it was horrible. (laughs) Not as horrible as Jacked, but it was like, oh, come on, Grant, seriously. And some of the writing, point blank writing was like, ooh, that was that was bad. It it was dumb and cheesy, but honestly, like I said, sometimes I like a comic that's dumb and cheesy. So so if you're going to give me a dumb and cheesy Santa Claus comic, I'm okay with this. Yeah, not so much. (laughs) I know this was not a Roger comic. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I went into it initially and and I I tried (laughs) To have an open mind and like it. <laughs> I did. And I'm reading and I'm going, okay, well, you better do something really good with this. And right from the get-go, the, I found the writing, the, the wording clunky at points. And then it's just this one cliched scene after another. Like the entirety of the whole thing was one cliche after another. I was like, no, no, sorry. I read it all, but – and the art was beautiful. Santa's a freaking – 
gorgeous man. <laughs> Beautiful hair and beard that I would kill for. <laughs> that's Roger's man crush Monday. Yeah, Santa that's Claus. on Santa Claus. <laughs> really? We need to put that dude in some otome for freaking your girlfriend. <laughs> you know she'd be all over this. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're so, not wrong. But the, the actual story, I really did not like it at all. All right. So, yeah, we had one amazing comic and a couple other things I threw together just because I wanted to talk about that one amazing comic. <laughs> eh, you know what? Every once in a while, you got to have an episode like that. <laughs> okay. As for what we're reading, I'm going to start off with the bad one. Robin War. Ooh. I had Before you, you – actually, sorry to interrupt, but okay. before you start, is this following after the We Are Robins that you were liking? Yes. Okay. All right. I had low expectations for this going in. It did not meet my expectations. Who wrote this? Uh, it's yeah, it's uh, one of those team like crossover okay. things that DC likes to do. I don't have that uh, directly in front of me, yeah. but I know there's a bunch of people that worked on it. Um, it is picking up with the We Are Robin. And the whole concept for those people who have been reading We Are Robin is, you know, Batman's dead. Robin is dead or not anymore, but at the time he was. So you had all these kids who, after the end game thing with Joker decided they wanted to do some good for Gotham and they decided to take on, you know, the mantle of Robin. And there has been a lot of really cool stories of them, you know, being heroic, trying to live up to these expectations that their heroes had set. So this comic is basically civil war. (laughs) Where one of the Robins screws up, a counselor for Gotham City, who, spoiler alert, we come to find out was working for the Court of Owls, puts in the Robin Acts, where all Robin paraphernalia is now illegal. And anybody seen wearing it will be arrested. To the point where one of the main characters is thrown in the back of a cop car because he's wearing red shoes. And the SWAT team shows up at Gotham Academy to go through all the students' rooms looking for propaganda. What the hell happened? <laughs> this, it, every time like, something new happened, I was like, this is the dumbest thing. I, yes, okay, there's the Court of Owls behind it, and this is overblown on purpose. It's not supposed to be rational, but still... How can one counselor who's working with the Court of Owls get a law this stupid pushed through, this many police officers on board with it? And then Damien shows up to make the comic even worse. Now, granted, Damien has been trained to be an expert fighter. He destroys like 50 of the Robins on his own. It's just, it, it, it was so bad. Good to know. <laughs> Save myself some money there. Uh, and of course, it's crossing over into all of the other associated comics as well. So even comics I'm enjoying, I can't read this month. <laughs> Have you read any of the Vader Down stuff yet? No, actually. God. I It's on my list. Okay. The latest issue of Star Wars was so ridiculously good. First of all, we have finally a confrontation between Han Solo 
and Dr. Afra, who, as we've said so many times before, are such similar characters. It's amazing. We have Triple Zero and BT completely stealing the comic, like without a doubt. Like, holy crap. <laughs> we knew they were great before, but they just absolutely stole the show in this issue. And Vader still continues to be the scariest thing in the universe. Which, like I said, with the beginning of Vader down, is Marvel's greatest accomplishment here. Because honestly, in the movies, he wasn't that scary. But in the comics, you know why everybody is so scared of him in the movies. I'll get caught up. <laughs> and then finally, the latest issue of Transformers More Than Meets the Eye. <laughs> I thought you'd given up on that, you said. Stay with me. Okay. <laughs> okay, stay with me. I read that one shot... A few weeks ago, and I enjoyed it, and I've been getting back into the Transformers comics. Now, I haven't read them in several months, so I'm just literally picking them up in the middle of ongoing storylines. So one of the storylines that I was really enjoying in this particular comic before I stopped reading the line altogether was the friendship that formed between this, you know, doofy screw-up Autobot and this reformed Decepticon. They really formed a really good bond together. It was a really, really good story of friendship. <laughs> So I pick up this issue, and this issue is a love triangle between those two characters and now a third that has come in. I picked this up. I was devastated. I was like, what did they do to my two favorite characters in this comic? And this issue is a story of love, loss, betrayal, deception, coming to find out the third party in this triangle was just screwing with tailpipe the whole time trying to get him to set himself up and it, it's this whole political thing that's going on it, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense so I'm not even going to try and explain it but they told this amazing story of love of friendship of betrayal of sacrifice in a Transformers comic now all that would be praise enough but what makes this even more special is their Transformers. The vast majority of the Transformers cast, including all three important characters in the story, are male identified. So granted, they're robots. They don't have gender. But there's been a very clear delineation over the years of the boy robots and the girl robots. And they told this fantastic, believable story with three, quote, boy robots. Nice. And that is freaking awesome. Nice. Very nice. Wow. That's very cool. Good, good yes. on them. Wow. <laughs> yes. And it, it's not the only relationship of that type they've told here. Awesome. So what have you got this week, Raj? Okay. I'm going to start off by pissing off Marty right from the get-go. <laughs> you read the new Daredevil? Because <laughs> I read the new Daredevil. It was horrible. Did you read it? No, it was horrible. Now, I will say I had not been following the last version. I'd read some of it, but not too, too much of it. And I did hear not just from him, but other people saying, you know, that it was it had some good stuff in it. That said, once again, this is it's not really a reboot, but it, it is a new number one. They're starting back. You're obviously getting the ties to the story that was in the last version, which it isn't presented in an engaging way at all, at all. And the issue as a whole 
was boring as crap. The so story for a Daredevil comic is what you're saying. There was nothing in here that was engaging or interesting in the least, and certainly nothing original, like at all. It just was horrible. Art was great. I will say that. I was I like the art, but I mean, it was just bad. Just bad. Like it, it, sorry, I shouldn't say bad. It was just meant so little that it was mm-hmm. immediately forgettable and does not make me want to pick up future issues pff, at all. Right. Like maybe if you're a fan of the character, it's good, but for Even then, an average reader. Even then, I actually would be really curious. Marty, I'm sure, will let us mm-hmm. know after on Twitter, after he listens to this, whether or not he actually liked this or not. And not just from that emotional mind space of it's Daredevil, so I love him, but actually looking at it and saying, yes, this was a good issue and here's why. Because I'm reading this and, I mean, there was one killer scene with Matt. Obviously, that's when the comic shines. <laughs> He's working at a new place and they shoved him in a, um, an elevator shaft. <laughs> That's his office. <laughs> and the elevator is hanging above him several floors <laughs> up. And he's like, why waste an office with a view on me? It'll just be wasted. So they put him in an elevator shaft and he has this meeting with someone and puts this dude in his place. That one scene was like, okay, that was, that was fun to read. But I mean, the rest ridiculous and this villain this 10 fingers villain which i'm going to assume this was referenced in the last version the last issues maybe one would hope because this is the goofiest villain i've he's got 10 fingers on each hand that's what is that his superpower <laughs> what what's like i'm sure there's a lot of women going ooh, but Maybe some men too, but I'm kind of like, wow, this is stupid. Just stupid, stupid, stupid. Yeah. Did you read? I'm really good at counting. Oh, dude. (laughs) Count to 20 faster than anybody else. We all have to take our time to take our shoes off and our socks. Not this dude. You wouldn't believe the shadow puppets. I I didn't even think of that. That'd be awesome. Did you read the second Extraordinary X-Men? Aren't they up to the third? Uh, well, if they are, yeah, oh, yeah it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. It is the third one. Sorry. Yes, I did. I am loving the stuff with Gene and Old Man Logan. Yes, that is going to be what steals this comic for me, at least, is those scenes between the two of them, because the, neither of them are the same characters, and yet they have a lot of the same character traits that we've seen in 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 them throughout the years, kind of thing. I just really like the dynamic and it's it's one of the few times too where we've seen it where again there's no there's none of that attraction for who Gene mm-hmm. used to be kind of thing because there wasn't that and so it, it it very much is this kind of father hell grandfather figure with her kind of thing and I really really dig that and like she stands up for herself as well none of this crap of just looking up to him because it's Logan kind of thing. No, she strong-willed, intelligent, and get essentially gets him to do what she wants anyway. So, and then the younger team coming into their own mm-hmm. because I they have always no choice. always the kids in the X-Men comics. Yeah, and like really coming together because they have to because <laughs> freaking Limbo. So... Did she just call us X-Men? Yeah. 
and you feel it. It's like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. And again, Ramus. Oh, oh, oh damn it. How? How? It's freaking, it was great. I, I enjoyed it. That said, probably, I, I feel fairly secure in saying the last issue of Groot, number six, was probably the best comic I've read all year. Wow. Did you read it? I did, but it was a while ago, so refresh my memory. It's where Groot is traveling with uh, Rocket back to Earth, and they were told different things that they should do while they're there, listen to some music or go see, watch um, Star Wars. There's <laughs> there's a scene where they're sitting on the, the, the couch eating pizza, talking about who's who. Yeah. And Rocket is like, I'm so Han. And he doesn't say that, but he's telling him you're the Wookiee, Wookie, obviously. And they're fighting ridiculous heroes. There's a lot of, again, ridiculousness until he gets to the X-Men party and has a conversation with Gene. Mm-hmm. So here's this character that is, that all we've ever heard of him is I am Groot, even when it's written and drawn spectacularly. Mm-hmm. So we got those images in the, in the words kind of thing. Here's a conversation and it's a conversation about his origin and right. how his people were horrible and how he saved that little girl. And then that it, it even tied back into that original appearance of Groot. Yes. 70 years ago or whenever it was. It was from that moment when he's having that conversation and we're finally hearing his words and that whole story element of saving the little girl and then finding her as an older woman later oh, on. Yes. I don't know if it just hit me at the right time that I was like, oh, right in the feels. Maybe if I'd read it when I was just kind of flipping through after reading other stupid crap, maybe not so much. But I don't know. I was sitting there reading this and like it, it was a Pixar moment at the end, like very much a Pixar moment. And it's like eyes damn near watering. And you go like, holy crap, that was great. And again, it's it's not because it was the best written per se it's not because it was the best illustrated it's just that there was elements that not the beginning part but again as it progressed and you got that that conversation with gene and and finally getting into the head of Groot and and seeing the type of of person not not person but whatever he is kind of thing and that and again that pixar scene and it was like oh my god did that it just hit so freaking hard I loved, loved, loved it. Yeah, it was amazing stuff. Yeah. Lastly, not comic book, but the Flash Arrow crossover. I was waiting for this. <laughs> Did you even watch it? I, I'm actually several episodes behind on Flash. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. And what's funny is that I was kind of a little bit worried because they're bringing in Hawkman, Hawkgirl, bringing both teams together. And both teams are fairly big kind of thing now that everybody's got helpers. Did did the costumes look as bad in the show as they have been in the screen caps I've been seeing? That's what the costumes always are. So (laughs) you got to kind of accept that. Well, I mean, Arrow's costume is what it is. Flash's costume looks pretty good on the screen. 
it looks like they're stand. It looks like it was Stephen Amell and I forget the Flash's name took pictures with somebody at a Comic Con. Oh, it's, you mean for the Hawk people? Yes. I didn't think they were that bad. Okay. They're not great, but I didn't think that they were that bad. It, it, it might just be the stills I've been seeing Probably. don't portray it well. Yeah, because no, I thought that it, it worked. I thought it worked. All right. Um, but anyways, going back to what I was saying, I was worried that it would be too much going on at the same time. Too many characters, too many storylines, especially with a crossover and and who gets the majority of the attention based on what – if it's Arrow versus Flash kind of thing, it was handled beautifully that even if you're not following either of these, you can follow along and it was engaging, fun. All of the characters get their moments to shine plus work together really well. They toss in some time travel because of course it's Flash is in there too. And it's kind of funny too when he's talking to Arrow at points and about all the different things that he has to do. And Arrow's kind of looking at him and he's going, Yeah, my world is a lot crazier than yours. <laughs> because the storylines in Flash are way crazier than anything in Arrow, which is saying a lot. Arrow has not yet fought a gorilla, I don't believe. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's that. And that's not even the craziest thing he's fought, <laughs> especially with Earth 2. And so he's kind of referencing that as well. And so now all of these much more grounded characters have to deal with the fact that there's another parallel earth. So it was just, it was awesome. And plus there's a few references to the original crossover, which was funny as hell. So I just, both episodes were a ton of fun and really, really well done. Again, no, no groans, just buckle in and enjoy. So I loved it. Good stuff. Yeah. I'm I'm a little worried about Legends of Tomorrow. I'm not going to lie. But that's primarily because the idea of having Captain Cole and the fire dude in there is just, to me, they're two of the weakest villains in both series. Like, mm-hmm. they're just, I I just have very little use for for them. And, and I'm not crazy about the actors in them. And I know that they're good. Like I saw them in prison break and stuff and they were way cooler in there. And here it's just like, Oh God. So that's one of the reasons that they're going to be like major characters in legends of tomorrow. So I'm a little worried about that, but we'll see. All right, then let's move on to our new releases for this week. Marvel brings us all new Hawkeye. Number four, amazing Spider-Man, or I'm sorry, all new Hawkeye. Number two, amazing Spider-Man. Number four, guardians of the galaxy. Number three, the Gwenpool special. I'm going to have to read that. <laughs> Hercules, number two. Scarlet Witch, number one. Secret Wars, number eight. Spider-Gwen, number three. Star Wars Annual, number one. Ultimates, number two. And Uncanny Avengers, number three. From DC, we have Batman, number 47. Batman and Robin Eternal, number 10. Batman Superman, number 27. Constantine the Hellblazer, number 7. Detective Comics, number 47. And Gotham Academy, number 13. Which is sadly a Robin War crossover. But they also gave you a Christmas present, Roger. (laughs) The first issue of Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, yeah, I read that, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot wait for that. 
From Image, we have Monstrous, number two, Stray Bullets, Sunshine and Roses, number 10, and The Walking Dead, number 149. IDW brings us Back to the Future, number three, Sherlock Holmes and the 7% Solution, number five, Star Trek, number 52, and Star Trek Green Lantern, number six. From Udon, I'm very excited for Street Fighter Unlimited, number one, and from Valiant Unity, number 25. So that's going to wrap us up here at the Comic Book Informer podcast. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. And until next week, thanks for listening. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.